Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, and welcome to the latest episode of Bibliostapes in Discussion. Today, I've got the great pleasure of being joined by Deb- Derbyshire photographer, Matt Oliver. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Ewan. It's a pleasure to uh, be here today. Yep. Thank you very much for your time. Um, obviously, for those of you who don't know Matt's work, based up in Der- Derbyshire, um, and he last year brought out a beautiful body of work or it was maybe earlier this year, Among Trees, which we'll get on to talking about shortly. But before we talk about your book, Matt, it would be great if you could just give us a good introduction to your photographic journey and, and, and what your interests are and how you got to where you are today. Yep, um, I'm a commercial um, and landscape photographer. Yep. Um, commercial work pays the bills, uh, yep. and landscape work is, is purely just for me, yep. sort of the enjoyment. Um, with this, it's kind of a, an escape, I guess, the landscape side. Commercial work, you're very much tied to a brief. Yeah. Working under somebody else's ideas generally, depending on on who, who we're working for, whether whether that fle- how that flexible that is. But yes. So yeah, so the landscape is, is much more my my own interpretation of, of things. Um I suppose it kind of the obsession, if that's the right word, passion, obsession, <laughs> started um back at school, really. Right. I think it was it was born out of um, not no, not knowing what career path I wanted to take, sort of in the latter years of secondary school. And yeah, we we did. I think generally, I think everyone goes out of work experience, and I tried various things, and those things kind of made me realise that wasn't the right career path at that time. And you, I think you know, oh God, what what, what am I going to do after I've left school? And yeah. those last, last those last two years, I took um, GCSE art, GCSE, GCSE art. Yeah. And um, learning to draw, I quickly realised that uh, I wouldn't, I wasn't going to be the next Van Gogh. So <laughs> in, the, in the back of the classroom, there was a small cubby, cubby hall, really, like yep. a six, six before room that they converted into a dark room. Um, and about three of us branched off into photography. Cool. So we go around school taking pictures, and then end up back in this dark red environment with. You know the beautiful smell of the developer and chemicals. Yeah. Um, and I think anybody that um, that's tried darkroom printing, you, you get your photographic paper, expose it under the enlarger, and then place it into the developer, yep. and, and to see this image appear, it's quite a magical thing. Uh, you know, to see certainly at that age, and it was the more I did photography, I thought this this is what I want to do, follow yep. as a career, really. Cool. And it was just working away out of how, how I could do that, um, which led me on to sort of studying for four years. I did two years at Sheffield, right. and two years at uh, Dewsbury Art College. Um, and those final two years, it was quite a commercial course. So it gave me a good experience uh, using in, in studio environment. Yes. Yep. Um, using flash. Cool. Yep. Um, and allowed me to build a portfolio, really, that I could take around studios once i'd left yep it was in a huge ao flip, yeah. flip folder thing and yeah. there was no digital method of sure showing you work back then so was, at the time i thought it was quite good but in reality it was probably quite awful <laughs> it was it was a good base for me to sort of knock on doors yeah and and get an, an, any anyone that would accept you know let me in the door to, to get an interview and it probably it was around about six to seven months before I could have going around any studio that I could get to. I managed to find a position as an assistant in Nottingham. Right. Uh, terrible pay. I think I was on about 
50 pounds a week or yeah. <laughs> the guy that owned the studio he was i think he was back this was 97 98 and he was one of the first of a couple of photographers in in the in in the uk to invest in a digital camera right okay and um i think he, i think his outlay was something like uh, 70 80 000 pounds for this gear and it was basically a 10, 11 megapixel yeah. house brick. You know, it's huge that you bolted onto a, a Fuji GSX uh, film camera. Cool. And on the front of the lens was a filter wheel the size of a dinner plate. Yeah. And it captured a red, green, blue, grayscale image and, and combined them together to make to make the to make this file. I mean, probably my first mobile phone had a camera on was better quality than yeah. a camera. <laughs> But um, I mean, there was no way you could handhold it. It was like a, it was, it was so big, a yeah, big, a big camera. But um, so coming from an environment at college, studying film really, yeah, with a limit, with sort of a limited knowledge of Photoshop, um, scan after scanning the files, I'd come into this commercial environment um, that was just you know starting off in digital. So it was a real great experience. Yeah, uh, for me to sort of to get in at, right at the ground level, really. Yeah, because things things were changing quite quite a lot um, back back then. There seemed to be quite a few. There was a lot more studios basically in Nottingham at that period, um, and it's changed quite drastically now. So I'd learned um, a good a good experience in digits, really. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's my long window way of where I, where where I got into photography, really. Yeah. Um, landscape has all, had always run alongside that, um, from sort of studying through to through to commercial work. Um, I, I built up a relationship with the Peak District, which is where I do most of my photography from an early age, walking with family. Yeah, cool. And then, of course, some of my coursework at Sheffield, I'd venture into the Peak District, um, shooting around Padley Gorge, places like that. So. I'd always had an, in, an interest in yes. running, running alongside sort of that. And then probably 2007, somewhere around there, I used Flickr, oh, yeah. which was the main probably sure. social media site back then. Um, and there was a group of uh, photographers that shot in the Peak District. Yeah. Um, a guy, Paul Newcomb, uh, Matt Robinson, Jeremy Barrett. Yeah. Um, and I saw these images that they posted on online. Um, these places I visited, but their their images were sort of in some beautiful light, and <laughs> you know it was like, well, I, you know, I need to go out and and, and see see the landscape at these sort of times. Thanks. Yes. And then really, that's where the seed was set. So probably around sort of it was 2010ish, I started taking landscape photography a bit more serious, sort of like yeah. planning more and going again up at silly, silly hours. As we, all do, as we all do, yeah. And really that's where, you know, that it becomes, yeah, it does become an obsession really. It, it, it does. It becomes, it becomes, it has to become a passion and obsession to have the, the, the bravery to set your alarm for three o'clock <laughs> in the morning and things like that. But yeah. at the same time, when it, when it's your hobby and passion, I mean, for me as well, photography is very much a, a, a hobby and I, I don't mind, okay, I do mind sometimes getting up at three o'clock in the morning, but actually when you're out on location, be it up in the hills or on the coast, 
I'm if I don't come away with a shot, I'm not too bothered. No. It's it's I'm doing it as well because I just love the outdoors and yeah. and standing watching the sun come up or just watching the environment start for the for, for the day is is a wonderful experience as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think particularly sunrise. Yes. Um, that that time of day. Once you've experienced it once, yeah, you, you want to go back again and again. Yeah. It's yeah, it's they can't really. I can't. I can never put my finger on why it's why why that is. It's whether you just know everyone else is asleep, or it's just just a magic magical yeah. time, isn't it? Sunrise, and and like you say, I think certainly more so now. For me, in the beginning, I did. You, you go around to sort of the honeypot spots because you want to learn rapidly. Yeah, um, and you don't. You want your hit rate to be quite high, I suppose. But then the, the more you sort of get into photography yourself like you say that doesn't matter so much and it is more about the experience of being out and if you don't get a picture you've you know you've had the privilege of of being out absolutely that that that, that's it and yeah it's a thing it's lovely that you've got your the landscape is is your personal passion and your your commercial side of it is, is is obviously very different and i think it helps to create that separation as well yeah yeah definitely um it's, it's a good balance to the hectic commercial side. Yes. Yeah. And, and landscape is much more relaxing, or it can be. <laughs> yeah, in, 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 theory, in theory, it should be, but yeah, uh, no, not always the case. No, sunrise can be quite frank, quite a frantic experience sometimes, or, 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 or being in the wider landscape. Yes. Can be quite frantic, chasing, chasing light, and it comes, comes and goes so quickly. That's and it's always a question of when you're deciding where do you go. Have you made the right decision? You go on location and you think, oh no, I should have, I should have gone somewhere else. And that happens so often. I, I stood on it. I'm stood somewhere and I can, I can see the light happening where I thought, oh, I should be over there. And you're always double, you know, check, checking yourself. It's yeah, one of the frustrations. That that's it. Sometimes you just need to make a decision and go with it and just. Yeah and, yeah, and 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 Except, and yeah, exactly. hack, hack it out, and you come away sometimes, and you've you've been successful, and other times you've not been. But uh, but it opens your eyes to look at different things in different ways as well, and and try try different approaches. I think which which always makes it a bit more interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so talking about uh, talking about your your book zine, which you published, was it the end of last year or maybe the start of this year? Um, it was it was yeah, sort of beginning of this year. Really. Yeah, beginning yeah, beginning um, of this year. Yeah. Among 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 trees, beautiful beautiful collection of woodland yeah. woodland photography, and um, I really just be interested. Obviously, you talk very much about your childhood and 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 outdoors. So I really be interested just to hear hear your thoughts in terms of really where was the inspiration for 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 the body of work and really what got you into to shooting the woodlands yeah i think i enjoy i enjoy being out in the wider landscape yeah um and and woodland photography and i think it is a different experience just as i've just said sort of the the, the wider landscape can be quite frantic whereas yep. i find the woodland is much more much more calmer experience yeah um you enter a woodland and you, you can go in at your own pace so yeah. much slower more almost therapeutic yeah uh, process and um, it can just walk into the environment enjoy it look for a composition yeah and i find it much more immersive i think it's it's not just the photography with woodland for me it's the smells and yeah. you know the sound of yeah. the bird song it's it's a whole it's the whole package um so, so yeah and i think 
on reflection, it um, it, it goes back to sort of, again sort of childhood really. My 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 parents' house backed onto a woodland. Yep. Um, so we'd rush home from school. Yeah. We'd be we'd be straight in the woodland. Weekends we'd be in the woodland constantly. Yeah. Only being dragged out for tea or bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we. I mean, it's at that age. It's sent like this huge, vast Space. Envi- environment yeah. that we were exploring. Um, you know, we 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 knew it like the back of our hands. We yeah. knew all the little, you know, the little passageways we could get to and, and explore. Um, and my parents still live there, so it is quite. It's actually quite a small, <laughs> small <laughs> yeah. in, in reality. Um, but yeah, so that. So really, my experiences now in the woodland kind of, I think, are just memories back to there. Yeah, absolutely. So it, I think that's why I take so much pleasure in, in being in that environment. Yeah. It's, it's just, yeah, every, every picture is kind of a, is a memory. And yeah. it's, a, it's a good memory. Yeah, and, and as you say, it's the experience of being in the woodland. It's not just the it's not just what you're seeing it's the, it's the smells it's the sounds and I, I, and as you say it can be a very much more of a controlled environment you're in as yeah. opposed to a wide open landscape where you've it, there's maybe not the same same aspect of control as you've got in the woods yes definitely it's pro- probably if i can, if i can um, yep. that is the place where i try to go to yep. more often than not is in, is into the woodland yep. certainly with work being quite busy and hectic that is certainly you know, a, a place where you can go to relax much more, and also you can, you don't always have to get up at that silly hour. Yeah, the photography can be can be achieved and, and enjoyed sort of any any time of the day, really. Yeah, that that's it. You you've not got you don't always necessarily run the same risk of once the sun's up and it's it's too bright. Whereas as yeah. you see in the woodland, there, there's always wee pockets where actually at sunrise are probably far too dark to actually do justice to, and you, you need to wait yeah. for that wee bit longer for the for the for the light to for the light to come up in order Absolutely. to just to create the atmosphere. And um, yeah, you the the photographs in in your book, I really like the work working through the seasons. Um, and was that something you were keen to get across in terms of just the, the changing seasons of the woodlands? Yeah, I think so. I think it is always in it's always in your mind when you when you photograph in uh, yep. woodland that you have the. I mean, spring is fantastic with the sort of the vibrant greens. Yeah, and then you kind of summer is great sometimes for mist, but then you're always you're always hungry for autumn. Yeah, and then and then winter. So you do sort of plan plan work around that, and and that's the kind of thing that I tr- did try to sort of sequence a little bit in the book i mean i'm sort of i'm very um what's the word sort of naive, naive in terms of sequencing a book um, yes of putting something together which i enjoyed the process but i'm by no means an expert on that so i kind of just did it as i thought was works well yeah yeah really um so yeah it's, it's it's i think one thing woodland does give you is almost it could, it could be much more unique because um, it because because of the seasons, um, yeah. it's constantly changing. So trees will grow, obviously. So yeah. seeing what the scene will change, yeah, and it gives you that much more personal picture. Um, and and, light, and the way light travels through a woodland, it, it's, it's constantly changing. So to be to have a this, you know a more unique image is, is probably is more so than being being out in the wider. 
I, absolutely. I, I think you're you're really spot on there. It's when you when you take into account the weather conditions, the light changes, just the, the change of the season, the tones and the colours. Yeah. You do create there is so much more uniqueness that you can generate. Um, but at the same time, I think it's uh, I think it can with so I you see so many woodland photography these days. It's obviously um beautiful to see but to get an image and a body of work that really stands out to someone and tells a story as opposed to just being another woodland I think that I think there's a real challenge to that as well which I think I think you've really accomplished well and um, the atmosphere you get across in your shots and certainly down south I I think you all seem to have missed machines everywhere you seem (laughs) to go certainly certainly compared to Scotland or certainly compared to my local area very very rarely do you see miss but yeah it really does just create that level of atmosphere that just you can yes. imagine you can imagine immersing immersing yourself there and and just the slow pace of life yeah i mean when you when you when you get lucky and get yeah. get a real a real good day certainly in some of the woodlands where you crave miss that where it doesn't happen so often yeah and yeah, probably only once or twice a year you get a real good days where the mist will last maybe an hour or two yeah. and then just as just as it starts to clear the sun is is coming up so you get that added atmosphere yes, yes. Um, you know those those are really really good days yeah no I, absolutely and i think also the the the, the colors you generate you've you've produced in in the work is fantastic really the autumn colors but also the vibrant greens in the summer which i think a lot of people maybe maybe forget about and 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 i think a lot of people it's very easy to focus i think we all do it at some point to focus on the, the autumn colors and and the winter colors in particular and the boldness of the tree trunks against the, the white snow but actually yeah when you see the summer greens and as you see those misty conditions they really they really produce and and provide for stunning stunning photography it is. It's, it's 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 an opportunity that sort of, sort of I missed early on, definitely. Um, yeah. And then once you once you experience that, yeah, it's the, the opportunity is is is, re- is really good to take advantage of. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's it's the challenge of getting up during summer sunrises to to capture that because yeah, it's it's, part, it's, it's fine if it's if it's on, when it's on your doorstep it becomes much easier when you've got an hour's journey to make and you think I could be getting up at two o'clock in the morning to go here Literally. for there to be nothing and you think yeah it's a it's, <laughs> it's a challenging time that yeah there's many times where I've checked I've, I've woken up checked the weather looked looked out the window and just come back to bed. <laughs> It's too much, but no. yeah, it's, when you make when you make that when you do make that uh, decision and that effort, it's, it's always it's always rewarding. Yeah, well, yeah. that that that's it. And as you say, when you come back with even just one or two images, and when you're working towards a body of work, I, th- I think it's really important. And obviously, when when you decided to to publish the zine, did you have the body of work completed at that point, or or were there one or two images that you thought mm, I might I, qu- I would quite like to do this? But actually, there's maybe just one or two places that I'm missing some some images. I think, yeah, I think I'd have I'd, the work probably stretches over maybe four years of yes. Yeah, um, I kept kept building up. Yep. Um, and then, sort of during lockdown, I suppose one thing we all had much more of was time. Yes. So it gave me a chance to sort of go over those images and look and look what was missing, perhaps. And yep, I'd seen a few uh, photographers creating zines yeah um, i purchased um Amar Sood's yes Life. yeah very nice 
Um, and that really was the impetus for me to thought, well, yeah, I could now's the time. I've got this, I've got this body of images in my in my mind that I've wanted to try and have that time to sort of sit down and and put it together. Yeah. So that yeah, that was that that was really the main reason at that particular time. Um yeah. and I, I wanted to sort of maybe try and raise a bit of money for charity with it as well. So I thought, yes. well, um that might generate some more interest. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, and it came together. And I, I used a company called Mixam. Yeah, yep. Uh, to print. I mean, the, the idea is fantastic of, try, of trying to maybe get somebody to publish it for you. But I thought, well, it's, I don't see, I, I wouldn't even know where to start yeah. in, in respect of that and whether somebody would even take, you know, take take me on. But I, I'd used Mixam before for a for a, a much more general photo book yep. uh, that I'd done for a collective exhibition with someone. So cool. that was a huge learning curve. Yeah. For me, um, do that. Yeah, learning what paper they had. Yeah, I learned a huge amount on on the colour for this second for the second time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that was a um, a good experience. Um, and then sort of yeah, I posted it on on Twitter, and I was really sort of blown away really with the with how quickly it sort of it rolled on and yeah. Gathered pace and the generosity of people purchasing it. Yeah, I think I think certainly last year with a lot of people having a lot of time, saw a big in, influx of uh, people producing their own zines and and the likes of Mixam and You Love Print etc. Uh, they provide a wonderful platform for as you say it's like the the choice of self publishing or being published being published much harder than I think a lot of people think it might be obviously there's you've got companies like um, another place press ADM publishing Brownell press etc who are doing very small editions but I think the ability to use someone like Mixam or you love print to produce your own your own body of work I think the the the, the print quality and, and the reproduction of the images for, for me certainly looking at your work is fantastic and I've got a Mars and I know likes of Richard Ernie used the You've Loved Print for his topographies too. And it's, it's a wonderful opportunity and a wonderful area that people can do something and they can do a fairly small run. Doesn't need to be huge, big A4, hardback, fancy copies. Yeah. And you can produce it relatively cost effective that it's an it's an opportunity to to test your work out and 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 see how see how the response is to it. Definitely. It's it certainly opened up a lot of opportunities for people to do that. And yeah, yeah. I was surprised, you know, how cost effective it was. Yeah. And, and exactly that, the quality of the print. Yeah. Um, you've got a few, you've got options for cover, cover uh, thickness, quality, and, and print style. Yeah. And and it's come, yeah, it's come on huge. Yeah. Uh, and, and the thing is, it, it's always a learning experience with every with every publication you make. You you if you were to do it again, you I'd imagine there'll be things that you would actually approach slightly differently because you've gone through the experience of doing it and you think, yeah. right, well, actually, in hindsight, this might work a wee bit better, but I really like this and, and retain the same format or size. And um, yeah, I think it's great when you see uh, when you see the number of people who are bringing out their own work and um, it, it doesn't need to be a huge body of work. That's the other thing. It, it can just be something that's nicely put together over a yeah. period of time. Yeah, definitely. I think, well, I'd, I'd recommend anyone to try. I mean, I, I always love getting hold of people's zines and absolutely, and, and seeing their work in print. It's one of the joys of, you know, of, of, of sharing photography. I think it's it's great yeah. seeing it on screen, but to get yep. a hold of somebody's, you know, personal collection of, of work that they 
they're happy with this. Is yeah, absolutely. I, I enjoy I enjoy z- buying zines as much as I enjoy receiving some big hardback book because it's still the same love and attention that's gone into into the body of work, and, and it can really open you up to. It also opens you up to potentially the locations and themes and subject matters that otherwise you'd maybe not see in a huge big hardback book. Yeah, and I think as well with the zines, it's often people that you've perhaps communicated with. Absolutely, yeah. You might know them or you've you certainly chat to them over social media. So yeah, it's that connection as well. You know, I, I chat to Omar, you know, across social media. So, you know, yeah. to, get, to see his work is fantastic. And I think I've seen a couple of other people posting yeah, you know, pre-orders, and it's you know that they're putting something together. So it's that's it, and it's it's a lovely way to be able to support more photographers. If everyone brought out a thirty-pound hardback book, it'd be expensive. It yeah. becomes expensive, and and you can't quite go to it. And your approach to to buying that is very very different than if someone is saying, well, it's a five or 10 pound zine, you yeah. think, oh, okay, well, you can then invest in three as opposed to only buying ones. And, yeah. and yeah. it is great just to see a variety, um, a variety of work. And um, I think uh, at, at some point I'll, I'll make use of the services of you love print or mix them myself as well. Once I get around to doing it, but, uh, but no, it's, it's great to see, it's great to see your sequence. And cause I, I really enjoyed working, working through it in terms of the variety of the way I think you've really nicely accomplished through the seasons, through the tones, but also through the subject matter of some of the wider woodland shots and then the more intimate detail yeah. shots as well, mm-hmm. which, I, which I think is really, really nice. Um, I particularly, particularly like that, sh- that shot there, I think is. is oh, the, yeah, I mean, that was super. I mean, my work does tend to be colour. Um, yes. It can, it can be, it can often come across too vibrant, but that, that, I mean, that was just like that in reality. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. was, it was an absolute, you know, blaze of gold and orange. Yeah, it was quite uh, spectacular. But, yeah, but at the same time, it's lovely to see that the summer, the summer greens, which I think are, is often left out and then really into the lovely, beautiful, cool tones of the winter as well, which, um, which works really nice and just gives an entirely different atmosphere to the same woodland and the same same locations as well. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, so yeah, so has has it given you a bug for doing more more of your own work and and photography and maybe producing another book or working in another project? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I would like to sort of more, sort of delve down into a much more focused area of photography perhaps that yeah there's a there's a woodland i've started a few pictures that's been sort of sort of decimated by fire right and just visiting that place now and again just to see how it's how it's regrowing it's surprising how quickly yeah it's picking you know, back up that, that life comes back to it um i mean i enjoyed jim the the talk you did with jim recently the Mortrum, yeah yeah Mortrum and uh dan uh, last 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 week dan Woods, yeah and I really admire the way they sort of really get into a subject. Yes. Um, I mean, my my work essentially is just for me. It's being outdoors, so it can be just it, it can be quite broad. It's my being, yep. being being creative and just and capturing capturing what I see. But I would I, yeah, if I had to, if I had sort of um, the dedication and and time, perhaps I'd look, I'd love to really focus in and just yeah, you know, something it, it, yeah, yeah, something yeah, quite specific. Yeah, I think that would be something I yeah something I'd like to pursue in the future. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I think I think so. I think I think when you 
when people see and for me as well speaking to other photographers who shoot entirely different genres and shoot different styles in different ways it's it's great to hear just how everyone's approach is slightly different to what they do and how they work and they maybe start a project take a couple of shots and yeah it maybe gets put to one side for a period of time and then they come back to it maybe a few years or a few months later and they've maybe built up the body of work slightly or they've taken a slightly different approach and it's yeah. it's really interesting from that point of view to hear how everyone approaches things differently and some people sit in images a while before they process them sometimes some people are they get home in the memory card straight into the computer to see to see what they what they've what they've taken which is definitely not my style anyway um but no it's it's great and it's i think it's wonderful and it's it's for me it's great to see images and books because it's so much more enjoyable sitting down with your book than it is to flick through your screen when yeah. you can scroll and all of a sudden you're you reach the bottom of the page where to actually to sit through with a book it's the whole tactile experience yeah, and you just you just slow down and you, you take it all in yeah absolutely so talking about books, obviously you can see behind me, I've got a few books on my <laughs> bookshelf, um, but I'm always really interested and I know a lot of listeners are always very interested to hear what your three, four or five favourite photo books are from other photographers. So I'm, 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 I know you've been preparing for this and most people do prepare for it. So yeah, fire on. What's, what's your first choice? Yeah, it was a difficult one, you and I think... Some of your previous guests' books, um, and also they mentioned books that, that I really like. I think that certainly Rachel Talibart's book is fantastic. Tide and Tempest. Uh, oh, yeah, beautiful work. Yeah. Um, ben Horn, big favourite of mine. And yep. James, James Bell. Yeah, um, yeah, Capture Lakelands, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think, so the, probably the first book I I've sort of looked at was Joe Cornish's. Ah, First Light. First, first Light, so I think probably a lot of, people's um choice joe yeah um, it's probably one of the first books that i bought in photographs so cool. yeah uh, i think his work is he, he just he manages to capture a scene that uh, looks quite innocuous really in a way and you think well i could take that but then when yeah. you try no you can't <laughs> you know it's yeah he's a very it's, it's very clever how he, he creates an image that looks so natural Yes, well, it's quite quite difficult to achieve compositionally, but to make it look as yeah. well as he does, he he makes photography seem easy. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. It's also that it's also I think his eye to see the composition, yeah. and you, you think yeah that looks really obvious. Well, if it was obvious, you'd have captured it yourself. Yeah. It's not it, these things aren't obvious. It's it's oh. it's and I think it's the, it's the approach and yeah, just the the way he he does capture the shots. Definitely, and, and and sees it and views the landscape as himself through his eyes, much like David Ward does with the yes, very yeah. much with intimates and stuff like that. And there's yeah. so many names who who approach it, and as you say, they all make it look easy. When you look at it, you think, "Well, that looks obvious," but the reality it's is, it's not. Obvious. Yeah, it's by far obvious. So yeah, I mean, that's it's, it's been a great inspiration for me, and that's kind yep. of enjoyment. Sort of is trying to learn, trying to learn that um, the yes. way of shooting. Yeah. Uh, another one, Hans, Hans Strams. Into yep. it. Yeah, um, very nice. I picked it up from Triple Cart. They were, were selling them off sort of really cheaply. Yeah. Which was surprising. Uh, I've got his Iceland book, which is a big... Much bigger one. Big production, but, which is fantastic. But this to me is, I don't know, it's, I think that's, this is so much nicer. I think whether it's whether it is because it's more woodland again. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I suppose he, we're, we're, always, we're always drawn to... 
I think we're always naturally drawn to subject matters we'd like to choose ourselves. Um, yeah. But yeah, his his work's really nice, and I think he's drawn another. He's drawn a new book coming out soon with Kozu as well. Yes. Um, which again will be really interesting to see. But he's done the whole range. It's like the woodland, then he's got above and beyond in Iceland, then he's got his intimate ones as well. And I think yeah. it's a it's a it just shows the breadth and depth of absolutely yeah yeah. And it, again, he he's sort of taking almost you would say everyday scenes and, tra- yeah. and transforming them, transforming them into sort of beautiful pictures, which is is the skill. Yeah, well, that's it. You look at it and you think, how how has someone actually accomplished that? Yeah, it's like you, you can walk past these scenes in, in the local park and, and yeah. he's made them sort of stunning. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. But, but uh, I, th- I think also talking about walking past the local park, I think the whole lockdown has has given people the excuse to explore the local park. Obviously, yeah. Amar's book, Park Life, was all about what's on your doorstep because people weren't able to travel. And, yeah, and now I think people have begun to see begin to explore and appreciate what's on their doorstep far more but also in a far different way in terms of right okay where can I actually make some beauty out of, out of what what I'm seeing yeah absolutely and that, it certainly worked for me as well um, yeah I found footpaths that that a mile from my door that I never knew were there and it's, yeah the, there's real beauty you know yep. just down the road it is it's, Ab- um, absolutely it's certainly one of the benefits of lockdown yes uh, we've got this beast of a book, uh, oh. Steve McCurry's Afghanistan. Right. It's a bit different to landscape photography, but um, again, the, the beauty of a book is it takes you to a world of, yeah. the, the, you know, it's not us. I mean, we live in in, in huge luxury compared to sort of, you know to the scenes yes. in the book and, and what people have to go through. And he really his images are really sort of punchy in the blacks. Really, yep. it's a, it's a beautiful collection of work. And he does a lot of portrait, a lot of portraits in there as well as really nice. the wider, the wider yeah. scenes of, yeah. of Afghanistan and the destruction that's there. I mean, there's a, a, I saw it recently online actually. Again, um, there's a portrait of a guy. He's called, I think he's in, works in a candy factory. Yep. He's just got this very fine sort of coating of, of candy through his hair and beard. It's absolutely stunning cool. picture. Yeah, I, yeah. I like, I like a lot of. Uh, I've, I like a lot of the books. I've got a few books whereby people are combining the wider landscape with the intimate portraits, yeah. and they begin to they begin to give a bit of context to it as well through the through the people and the personalities. Dan yeah. obviously did it very well in his recent book. Um, Ragnar Axelson, I really like his work, Faces yeah. of the North and and the Arctic Heroes, where where you're bringing the personalities out into the landscape as well, and it it just gives a slightly different dimension and a different experience to when you're looking through it. Absolutely, and that the last guy, yeah, I found him through the, your podcast. So that was uh, right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and then just finally, uh, Franco Fontana. All right. Um, we came across this guy when we we're in holiday. We we're holidaying in Nice, right? A few, a few years ago, when we were allowed, you know, to travel. travel. Yeah. <laughs> we were just walking the back streets, and we came across a gallery, just to the photographer's exhibition. I had no idea who. Franco was at that point, and he's got so he's got his work on the walls, sort of blown up huge, huge pieces. And I think, I mean, I think sort of it goes back to the 70s, but he was shooting 35 mil. Okay, yeah. I mean, he's just not afraid to blow blow these up and embrace the grain of the picture, quite quite abstract, yeah. Um, imagery, sort of a lot of city scenes, but also landscapes. Um, yeah, beautiful, beautiful work. Um, and I found this 
I got back home and I looked for a copy and I think I looked on eBay, it was like a thousand pounds. She was. I'm like, well, I won't be buying you know, I won't be buying that one then. But um I used World of uh, is it World of Books? Yeah. And you found it for 40 pounds on there. So it's yeah, it's a great resource. Yeah. Um, I buy a lot of secondhand books to be fair. It's yeah, so, um, so so do I. There's lots of fantastic websites out there. Um, I managed to pick up David Ward's, one of David Ward's books, which I'd looked on Amazon and it was £926. Then I looked on I looked on eBay and there was a few at like £80, £90 and I came across a copy at £18. So, I, and it's Oxfam Books is another great one. You can right. pick up some one. You can pick up right. some wonderful. But I shouldn't maybe be telling you that or anyone else that. But no, Oxfam book. Yeah. Oxfam Books is really good. You because right. you can go onto their website and it, it basically searches through all of their shops around the UK. So I've all ordered. Right. I've ordered books that have come from the Edinburgh shop, the Oxford shop, all all over the place, and you can get some really really nice, uh, some nice rarer books that um, it's a bit of potluck. But yeah, I think. It's, it's perseverance and just having a wee search a wee search around but yeah buying secondhand books it's there's really something quite nice about it particularly if it's out of print etc or quite hard yeah. to find and you can pick up some real bargains it is definitely surprising uh, i've got a few of charlie waits older books um, yeah and i managed to get a Faye goodwin's book i think it only cost about it's like three quid or something you know yeah it's obviously been well thumbed through but you know, yeah, to, get that, to get that book at that price is well that's it the thing is it's it's the experience of still being able to view the work you don't need to it doesn't need to be a mint con, mint copy no. condition of everything okay it's if you're maybe buying something that's a bit more of a collectible item then there's there's certainly maybe value there but to just build up a, a collection of books particularly for people who are maybe now only getting into books and um, it's, it's quite interesting the message I received from people saying, yeah, I've only really started collecting, but it's a great way just to build up a collection of books so you can begin to experience them for yourselves and then yeah. you can then determine and decide what what sort of books you're actually interested in, in acquiring. Yeah, definitely, without breaking the bank, yeah. Well, that's it, because there are ones that do cost a lot of money. But, uh, yeah. but that's part of the challenge. There's something quite, there's something I find something quite satisfying when maybe it's just because I'm Scottish and tight, but you, there's something quite satisfying when there's maybe a book that you've been looking for for a while and it's very expensive and you manage to pick something up and it's, you think, actually, I've got a real bargain here. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's yeah. something quite enjoyable about that as well. But, uh, but no, those are great books. I look forward to certainly going to have a look at Steve McCurry's and uh, Franco's book. I've got the, got the first two. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's always interesting to see just what ones appeal, because I, as you say, it's like when you're maybe known for your landscape, it's, it's great to see likes of Steve's book crop up. It's something very, very different, but it's something that someone out there, hopefully listening to this, will actually take real pleasure and enjoyment from going and going and finding that book and just even yeah. exploring that photographer's work. You don't yeah. necessarily need to buy the book, but it just opens your eyes up to, to new styles and, and new ways of, of, of presenting your work. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Matt. It's really been a pleasure chatting to you this morning. Thanks for giving me up your time. And it's been wonderful to, to hear a bit more of the background to Among Trees because uh, I know I'm certainly pleased to have a copy of it. I know it sold out pretty quickly. Um, and uh, I, and I, look oh, forward, I look forward to seeing your, your next book at some point, when, whenever that may be. Thank you, Ewan. Yeah, absolute pleasure. I think I... I really enjoy what you're doing on the podcast so uh, yeah look forward glad, to it. glad you enjoy it and I'm, I'm glad you enjoy listening and yeah thanks very much for your time cheers matt thank you cheers, cheers.